0: That's one way to blow your load.
1: Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Headley. With me as always is my cybernetic co-host, The Peter. Yes. And my not-Android co-host, The Cecil. I like to think I'm kind of like
2: Oliver Grunier in uh, Automatic.
1: The French martial artist, yes.
2: (laughs) He was, he was a cyborg. Or, or even, but again, they called him a robot. Or they, and, and and a, you know, android and every other thing. He's all of them. He can be all of them. He's certainly, he can, you know what, he's so bad, he can be whatever he
1: wants. We're only going to talk a little bit about Oliver Grunier tonight. So go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code drome, and you will get 50% off a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free US chip. All for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Remember, we also have a Patreon, so you can help us out there, too. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Cyborg franchise. Not Cyborg movies in general, although we are going to have to mention a bunch of them, which will make sense later. I want to talk about the Cyborg franchise. Cyborg, Cyborg 2 Glass Shadow, and Cyborg 3 The Recycler, which is a franchise that's not a franchise, that became a franchise, that's part of a bigger franchise.
0: That was started by Albert Pune. That was taken from a production design or set or old script that was going to be Masters of the Universe 2 and became something completely different. This is this
1: is Mm going to get convoluted, so stick with me for a moment here, okay? So Cyborg, the 1989 movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme, was born out of two other films that didn't happen. So in 1987, Canon Films had made Masters of the Universe, and it basically broke them. One thing is they broke their agreement with Mattel, so Masters of the Universe 2 was probably not going to happen even if Masters of the Universe was successful they had also canon was sort of built on bad paper it was built on junk bonds, and eventually, that kind of thing collapses, and that happened in 1987. Canon was going under. They had already planned a Masters of the Universe 2. At the same time, they were making, they were going to be making a Spider-Man live-action film. Right around this time, Marvel Comics had two Spider-Man titles, and they had live-action covers of an actor in a costume for the cover. That was going to be the actor from the Spider-Man movie. They had sets built, for the Spider-Man movie. They had sets and costumes built for the Masters of the Universe sequel. Then canon went under. So what was going to happen was Albert Pune was going to be shooting Spider-Man first. Then they were going to shoot Masters of the Universe too, Sort of. They were going to shoot the beginning of Spider-Man because the actor, they wanted to shoot all of the before Spider-Man gets bit by the radioactive spider scenes. Then they would take an eight-week break while the actor bulked up for the post-getting-bit scenes. And in that time, they would shoot Masters of the Universe 2. They were going to shoot part of Spider-Man, then Masters of the Universe 2, then Spider-Man. Then canon went bankrupt. So they had all these sets, they had all these costumes. Albert Pune was like, look, give me $500,000, let me do something with these. And the thing with that is you can really see the reused costumes. Like Gibson's costume, so obviously Blade's costume from Masters of the Universe. You can definitely see Evil Lynn's costume in there. You can see oh, yeah. Skeletor's first costume. You can you can see that these are reused costumes. Now the story that even to this day is spread around the internet is Cyborg is what Masters of the Universe 2 was gonna
0: be. That's no, not, not all. It's true. Just not
1: that at that at all. It was a it's different just,
0: script, I'm sure that was retooled but it wasn't for he-man mm-hmm.
1: cyborg is made out of the ashes of masters of the universe too that's not the same thing and and, and even then oh my god I, I i do enjoy cyborg he wanted chuck norris for the lead and he did not like the jean-claude van damme was according to him foisted upon him I can't see Chuck Norris in this movie. I got to go with canon on this one. Jean-Claude was better than... I like
0: Chuck Norris. He's not right for Slinger. No, for the aesthetic that the movie had, I think Van Damme was the right choice.
2: Yeah, he just... he, He had the right look and the right appeal, and I think maybe the voice maybe wasn't the best because uh, Van Damme still has kind of the the broken he he has the accent that I don't know it works for him in certain roles but in this it, it did feel a little like I think I think maybe he was thinking more of the gruff American Chuck Norris because it was you know post-apocalyptic USA and uh, you know put a little dirt on Chuck Norris and gruff him up and maybe that would have that's the only thing I could think of that he was considering to, but I do think that in the end in this case Van Van Damme was really the right choice and not discounting Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris is a badass. Van Damme was able to do a lot more of, you know, using his flexibility because a lot of his stunts and stuff are, you know, the big wide kicks and, you know, the, the the crotch splitting and all that kind of
0: stuff. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: See, Albert didn't get his way on Cyborg at all because originally what he envisioned this is. What Albert wanted to do with this was, and I don't know if this would have ever worked. He wanted to make it, and I'm quoting, a heavy metal opera without dialogue in a black and white. And I don't know so if this would have worked.
0: The, the chrome version of Mad Max Fury Road?
1: With a more metal soundtrack. So I, I don't that know because... Of, it
0: sort of became that. That's kind yeah. of weird.
1: It really, it really did. What happened is this movie was made and then it was taken away. Now, the original title is Slinger. In the movie, Slingers is short for Gun Slingers. They're basically hired guides to help you get from the few remaining cities from city to city through all the wastelands. You'd hire a slinger to protect you. Right. Slinger, while it's more accurate to the movie, I, I gotta go with canon again on this one and I'm gonna do this a few more times tonight. Well, That's it, it, not a sellable like a, title.
0: That, that sounds more like a sort of Sergio Leone western kind of thing. Yeah, it's not a sellable title. It doesn't tell you that it's going to be science fiction. I think Cyborg is a lot more punchy and kind of gets you right to the point of what the movie is going to be. But at the
1: same time, Peter, Cyborg, a lot of people thought Jean-Claude was the Cyborg. No, he's a human slinger escorting the cyborg but to the pearl, location but pearl's not even a, pearl is a, is an android she's yes. not even a cyborg okay so the, the, it, really, the, it
2: should have been android,
1: android. Th- th- that's something Pune has never gotten the nemesis movies the omega doom film all of them in, including the sequels choose, they all have the name yeah well they all have complete artificial people called cyborgs and humans with robot parts called androids (laughs) i don't know why Uh, albert pune can't get this
0: right
2: but in this case i don't think it was his fault because the studio wanted the name cyborg yeah he wanted slinger he wanted slinger and the movie was supposed to be sort of a rock opera a heavy metal soundtrack which is available in the Pune cut. As much as I think that, you know, the, the score that they put for Cyborg is good, the metal soundtrack for Slinger, I personally think is so much better. Oh, it is so mm.
1: much better. And I, I hate to be this guy. That's the only no, if you thing. Don't. I, that, that's the, <laughs> that's you the love, only thing. I love th- being to that guy. this guy. The, the soundtrack is the only thing in the director's cut I like better. I was shocked at how much I hated Pune's cut of the film I'm not talking because when Pune made his director's cut of this film he didn't he only had VHS Masters things like that some on beta some widescreen some full frame so his is put together more of like a work print and I'm totally discounting film. that but his cuts wreck the film that the, the, he has way too boring of fight scenes because you kind of need editing to make a fight scene kinetic his are beyond dull he cut out key character moments that he thought slowed the film down from a pacing level yes but now your version makes no sense albert he removed he moved things around to the point where now you go but wait a minute that clearly can't be how it was originally meant albert because now it makes no sense i don't like his director his director's cuts a mess the the problem
2: was that there there really should have been a give and take a lot of times uh, i mean i will 99% of the time i side with the director there is still a need the producer's input and there needs to be a give and take okay well this will work but this needs to go or in this case, if we had gotten his proper vision when he did you know, Slinger slash Cyborg, I think there would have been a little more give and take, and we probably would have ended up with a perfect blending of his ideas and with the studio's ideas, and we would have ended up with proper film. Because now, when he did Slinger, it was decades after the fact. Pune had already, uh, he's already suffering from uh, strokes, and so he's not, I, I love the guy but he's not completely there so i question how much of the slinger cut is really what he would have done back in the day
1: i i think think it is though because like there's that whole deleted subplot remember in the film as it's released it's implied the bad guys are Satanists, you know, like they're, they, they, that they just worship Satan. Mm-hmm. In the Slinger Cut, they're actually working for Satan. They are agents of demons and demons exist in this world. And in the Slinger Cut, they're trying to stop technology being returned to a post-apocalyptic world. Instead of stopping a plague, uh, the cure for a plague, it's a completely different f- movie. The story's completely different. Dumb in Pune's version. I'm sorry, bringing Satan actually into this? Into his post-apocalyptic cyborg road warrior movie? Is
2: dumb! (laughs) no it's awesome because the characters it's it's very very based in heavy metal and what is the big things with metal is the devil so you've got all these characters that are all named after different guitars you've got pearl fender uh gibson gibson you've got this blaring metal soundtrack and what better to have uh as an enemy than the f***ing devil
1: I think it's idiotic, is what it is.
2: Oh, you just, uh, like, it's a post-apocalyptic film. Why wouldn't, like, okay, so we're going to put the devil in there, too? Sure, why not? Why does that, why is that all of a sudden, like, oh, well, that's too far. You know, the world blew up, okay. The world blew up and the devil's back.
0: Nah. I think Cyborg is the best live-action adaptation of Fist of the North Star next to Steel Dawn. There you go.
1: There's also one other thing, now. I am not saying plagiarism. I'm saying definite inspiration, but there was a Spanish comic book that came out before Cyborg Slinger called Hombre, which was serialized in heavy metal in the late 80s and early 90s. So it, it, you might have read it under a different title. I saw these in heavy metal. Man, How similar is it? it? It's pretty
0: similar. I'm just talking the basic broad strokes. How many of these movies were to begin with by, by some lower, like lesser known comic or Or a strip from heavy metal, or even like a like a 2000 AD kind of thing. Like it likely was. Yeah, like I said, I'm not calling plagiarism because Cyborg does feel very much like a a pulpy comic strip, even even sometimes. Very much feels like an '80s anime. I compared it to to Fist of the North Star, and I absolutely compare it to that completely unironically because it does feel that way. With oh, I, oh, it, it absolutely like, does. It, it feels like an '80s anime, like Mad Max inspired kind of thing, like Fist of the North Star is, and it's very much what Cyborg feels like. Cyborg, according to Albert Pune. And uh, this
1: is very this is very tenuous. He claims that the Nemesis movies, this and the Cyborg movies, plus the movie Omega Doom and Knights, all made by him, are all in the same continuity. He says Nemesis takes place before Cyborg, and then. Nights takes place after Cyborg, then there's Cyborg 2, Cyborg 3, then, because of the time jump in the Nemesis movies, Nemesis 2, Nemesis 3, then the Omega Doom, then Nemesis 4. And then the new ones, because, see, he just made a new Cyborg movie called Cyborg Nemesis, The Dark Rift, which is a prequel to both Nemesis and Cyborg and definitively links them together. So you're just looking at this going, oh, my
0: God, this is a continuity clusterfuck, isn't it? Let's just say that the at this point, okay, the Cyborg cop films are, are connected with it, too.
1: At this point, somewhere you in might the middle, as well, cyborg
0: cop somewhere, happened, and then Slinger yeah. happened.
2: And just a, like another, like it wasn't the apocalypse across the country. It was just, you know, in, in, uh, maybe the East Coast and then out the West Coast was Cyborg Cop.
1: The Cyborg 2 and 3 are not sequels to Cyborg, but they are sequels to one another. So according to his continuity, they go from a post-apocalyptic wasteland into Blade Runner and then back for Nemesis 2 into a post-apocalyptic wasteland, according to Albert Pune's continuity.
2: And oh. had in a, uh included an American gladiator for some reason.
1: <laughs> it it as just like
2: the, as the new hero. It, that's what killed me about the Nemesis sequels. I wanted uh you know Oliver Grenier back they brought in uh suzy price and i'm not like i don't have a problem with her her acting was a little not good they are the same character though but yeah i'm like why why like because the first like I I don't hate the Nemesis sequels, but they are a steep drop-off because the first one is so amazing.
1: I I don't disagree at all, but he always wanted in the first film Alex to have been a girl at some point and they just ran out of parts, so that's why we get Oliver Grunier, so that's why she finally gets to be a girl in the sequels. Oliver Grunier is playing a
0: female in Nemesis, which is weird Mm. when you say out loud. Not even really weird, just kind of not thought out as well as it could have been they have those parts but it's in a post-apocalyptic wasteland now so where the hell did she get those parts when did Albert Pune's dementia start well we're we're not
1: going to discuss I, the nemesis movies because that I want to do a, a whole franchise on that train wreck I just wanted to bring them up because they're connected in quotes to the cyborg movies they're
0: somehow meant to be sequels to yes they're to, connected
1: to it was a massive hit for Canon at the time remember they're going bankrupt five hundred thousand. Dollar budget makes 10 million. That's a pretty good freaking hit for Canon right there. Canon would have probably made a sequel had they not gone bankrupt at the time, as Mm -hmm. I just said. Now there was a movie made by Michael Schroeder. He made a movie called Glass Shadow, which was a straight-up cyberpunk movie. Somehow, I guess he was channeling Albert Pune because. He also has complete artificial people called cyborgs, and what we would call cyborgs listed as androids. So now th- there there are stories here. I don't know if this is related to Albert Puns dementia or not, but he's contradicted himself on many occasions. Originally, he said he had nothing to do with the cyborg sequels at all. Then later gave an interview saying he was okay with them, and he gave Schroeder the plots, and then but he didn't want to do them because he was working on at this time. He was working on Nemesis, so he didn't do the sequel only because he was busy. He says he was involved, then he wasn't involved, then he was, then he wasn't. It all depends on when you talk to Albert Pune, whether he had any involvement in Cyborg 2, Glass Shadow, or not. So I don't know if that's the dementia or not, so I don't know which story to believe. It's clear. That could just be, like, bad memory or something. Well, he has dementia, so he he can't remember a lot of things. I have never heard Michael Schroeder talk about it. He wrote he wrote and directed both Cyborg 2 and 3. But here's the thing. Cyborg 2 is not a sequel, but it is a sequel. It was made as a completely independent cyberpunk cyborg movie called Glass Shadow. After the fact, they found out that the distribution company had the rights through probably a buyout when Canon went bankrupt and was trying to liquidate assets to Cyborg. So they renamed it Cyborg 2. In some countries, Cyborg 2 Glass shadow and then they used they bought some footage from the first film of Jean-Claude and fighting and all that stuff to use as a dream sequence slash flashback in this movie therefore making it a cyborg sequel but it was only made a cyborg sequel after the fact do you see how these f***ing movies are a train wreck to try and track Cyborg 2, the sequel not sequel. I actually think it's the best film in this franchise. I really- It's
0: a genuinely good movie. Yeah, I really really enjoyed it,
1: man! It's, it's it's well directed. Michael Schroeder's direction is good. He doesn't have choppy editing. Set design is great. I love the production design. Jack Palin steals every
0: goddamn scene he's in. Oh, he's perfect for that movie. He really fits, fits everything. And even like a really great early showing from uh, Angelina Jolie as well. She did a great job in the movie.
2: Yeah. Uh, She, she's not happy uh, with it. Like how can you not? I'll I'll fucking, I will bite you, Josh. Dude, she had, like you, she just had, she was on point. I mean, her, like, she was beautiful. Her fighting, I thought, was good. She played the sympathetic character, but also was a complete badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really had, uh, I mean, she, I thought was, uh, it, there was a lot of good going on, but I thought that she was a large part of what made it good. And it's a yeah, shame. She, she, she really of, like... went in on it well. It's a shame because that's one of the movies that she kind of discounts now. She's, oh, "Oh, I
0: was in that
2: movie. You know, it's- That's
0: unfortunate because she she really fits the aesthetic of like a, like a cyberpunk kind of hero. That's sort of neo-noir, you know, neon lit kind of character. She fit it very well and she did a great early performance there. It's unfortunate that that a lot of Hollywood stars will kind of turn their noses up at their, at their early, early roles like that and stuff. I'm going to quote. It could be a lot worse. Angelina. It's not Grizzly too. I
1: I'm going to quote Angelina. After she saw the film with the premiere, quote, I went home and got sick, unquote. Oh, God.
0: Yeah, come on. Come on. It's like, bitch, you made Tomb Raider. Yeah. <laughs> Bitch come on. Oh, yeah, well fuck. with
1: with Glass Shadow, it's Entertainment Weekly selected it as Angelina Jolie's worst film, whereas oh, a on. lot of people somehow looked down on Jack Palance for this cuz he had just won the Oscar for City Slickers and this was his next movie after that. You had everybody questioning, "Why are you doing four pay movies now, Jack? You're a f- Oscar winner but you tell me now I've never heard him speak of Cyborg 2 you tell me he's not having a ball in this movie playing Mercy
0: he has a ball regardless of what role he's playing I, I think that the guy just loved he always loved acting no matter what role he got he's always been the entertaining Jack Palance that we always get even even his like minor role in Tim Burton's Batman like he still oozes charisma in that movie you for my number one. A guy, (laughs) always, always fantastic. Jack Palance is never not great.
1: Now, I don't know this factually. I don't know if this is part of the script or not. But his famous line from this: "If you're gonna dine with the devil, bring a long spoon." That sounds so ad libbed, and that is so Jack Palance. I'm ninety nine percent sure that was not in the script, and they just loved it so much they kept it in.
0: Well, he delivered it so so great. It's such a quotable line
1: because it makes no sense, but it's a great line. (laughs)
2: it it totally yeah i'm like because at the time you're like yeah wait wait wait, what what did he just say (laughs) i don't i don't understand what that's supposed to mean like but it but it sounded cool so yay so yay Yay! jack he (laughs) he blew up uh the the who was the bad guy
1: the bad guy was the police chief from beverly hills cop 2 Although, hmm. although in this he's got that balding kind of late '80s, early '90s ponytail thing going. Remember? Oh no, the rat tail. No, no, no it, it was a ponytail, but it was just where he only had hair in the back, basically, because he was balding so much. Well, you know, yeah, it was that cool executive kind of look. Oh Billy, god, no,
2: Billy Drago. I'm thinking.
1: Oh, well, Billy Drago. Billy Drago. He, he's the bounty hunter trying to catch him. He doesn't right, get. He doesn't get blown he's... up by Jack Palance. No,
2: I, it's been a while since I've seen the movie. I thought, I thought he got, cause didn't he? Billy like, Drago gets right his
1: face ripped off by a propeller blade when he's fighting with Colt 45 in the ring. Mm. Oh, okay. Billy Drago right. gets his face ripped off.
2: That was the beauty of him. Like, he was great because the whole movie, he keeps getting his face messed up. Billy Drago
1: was in a different (laughs) film than the rest of them. He was chewing so much scenery. You can't not love him in this. He was a living cartoon in this movie.
2: But that's what, I mean, but the movie in and of itself is a cartoon.
1: Yeah. That
2: was part of the beauty
1: of it. I really, like I said, of the three real cyborg movies, I really liked two. It had a good look. I liked the lighting. I liked the set designs. I thought the costuming was great because back at the time, it was called just a Blade Runner ripoff. Just another of the Blade Runner ripoffs. I think it's more than that.
0: No, It definitely borrows some of the aesthetic for sure, but it it is very much still its own thing as well. Oh, without a doubt. Colt is
2: not... It, you know he's not hunting down the, I mean, it's it's a whole yeah it's a completely different story it just so happens to have humans and cyborgs or androids in it it's just it's a neat movie i think the first one i really enjoy i enjoy both cuts i enjoy cyborg and i enjoy slinger but i think that cyborg 2 it uh, even though it does not have as big a budget oddly enough as the first one i still think that uh, it looks Really terrific.
0: And it's just mm. a
2: cool movie. It's just really a good, neat little movie.
0: It's one of those perfect examples of like early nineties, late eighties, kind of drenched in neon, future gazing, cyberpunk anti-heroes. And people are kind of, kind of miserable, downtrodden. You know, it, it's just, it's a perfect example of one of those kind of movies. And we really don't see a lot of those uh, anymore, uh, because it, it was such a product of its time.
1: What's unfortunate is that this film is always going to be looked at as, oh, that B-movie that Angelina Jolie did before she got famous.
0: Yeah, Yeah. you you know what? You also did Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Okay.
1: Oh
2: God, that movie is a. I'll keep
0: listing them. I'll keep listing them off.
1: (laughs) Well, we have to talk about the ending of Two because Two leads directly into Three. So at the Mm. end, Colt and Cash, Cash is Angelina Jolie's character. Colt and Cash have a life together. They escape to the desert because she's an an android slash cyborg. She will not grow old they have a life together he grows old and dies as an old man and she kind of wanders off to find her next adventure that's the end of this movie
2: it's a terrific ending because
1: like he's it's kind of just a highlander sh- ending if you think about it yeah Almost, yeah
2: like, he's sitting on the porch in, like, the desert. They've got this old shack that they've been living in. And he's noticeably, you know, they did the makeup on him to make him look really And old. she still looks
1: like Angelina Jolie.
2: And she's still 18-year-old Angelina Jolie. And she still loves him. And he just kind of dies in her arms. And it's it's a very, like, bitter bittersweet ending to a certain degree. I thought it was, like, a, a perfect ending. It's very sad, but also... I don't know, it's just, it's, it was something that was really well done. It of course led into them making a sequel.
1: Well, which is also by Michael Schroeder, so he also wrote and directed this one as well. Now this is three years later in our time, but this takes place only about two weeks to four weeks after the last film, because now Angelina Jolie didn't come back, we have head of the classes, Christine Hodge as Cash now, so same character, different actress, and she's wandering the desert. She's pregnant. She's not supposed to be able to get pregnant. Which also means right before his death, he was still shooting fully loaded bullets. Think about that <laughs> for Colt uh, in the last movie. Well,
2: what what gets me about this one is uh Christine and Haj however you say H- H- Haj? I don't know how to Hage? pronounce her name. That's yeah. the thing I don't I don't know. It's one of those weird kind of and I'm not discount like I thought she was fine, but I thought that like for somebody who's supposed to be uh replacing angelina jolie she doesn't look
1: anything like her i know she doesn't look anything like her like yeah, not even I, a little I agree.
0: bit it's um it's sort of the case of when they replaced uh it's much like uh, the back to the future effect where they replaced uh, marnie mcfly's girlfriend and it was just a completely different looking actress or nightmare
1: on elm street 3 to nightmare on elm street
0: 4 I mean, this is just me spitballing and I don't even know if they would have been even able to get her for this movie, but I feel like a better replacement would have been someone like Gina Gershon maybe yeah. i i, I could have seen so Gina she's Grishon. a little more she's kind of uh, sort of uh, lippy in, in a similar yeah, she, way that angelina jolie is and sort of athletic yeah. yeah
1: no this one is way lower budget than two this one doesn't have the production design they shot most of cyborg 3 the recycler in the desert you can tell this one is what you would think of more as like an aip action international picture sort of direct to video film mm. this one's very low budget cover art and the trailer love to promote Malcolm McDowell as Lord Talon. They literally, I think, had him for like three hours. He appears in one scene, gets electrocuted, <laughs> and is never... I kept expecting him to come back. Like, you know, Malcolm McDowell's name is above the title. He's going to come back as the big villain or something. No, Richard no, Lynch is no. the villain, and he's fine as that. Malcolm See, McDowell... Lynch is amazing. You could literally cut Malcolm McDowell out of this movie. It would make no difference at all. I think <laughs> he was dope. just wandering through where they were filming, and they said, Hey, Malcolm, we'll give you a couple of hundred bucks. Can you just put on a cyborg
0: hand and say some lines?" that's absolutely what it is and it's a shame that they they promoted him so much and not not malcolm uh, not um richard lynch because god that guy is just a, a consummate professional when it comes to playing just like creepy grimy villains he's he's always amazing at that and he deserves so much more credit and he's he's a great villain in this movie too and it's it's also it's very obvious that this one clearly did drop in budget, this is very much the... We're going to shoot a, a post-apocalyptic type movie, so we're going to go to the desert, we're going to shoot in, in some like abandoned warehouses, and then we're going to give people some shoulder pads and mohawks, and, and no one's <laughs> going to know the difference. But to be fair, this one
1: seems more inspired by Mad Max than Blade Runner. So Oh, absolutely. So, well, this
0: one fits more in tone with the very first Cyborg. More desert plain, broken buildings, shoulder pads and whatnot. So y- you could maybe consider this to be maybe the series is in reverse the first film is, uh, it takes place further into the future. Two is a prequel and then three happens like a, a bit before the first one is actually meant to happen. So maybe it's a series that if you really want to look at it in a way that maybe like fits in a, in a thematic sort of way, maybe that's how you could, you could put it together. But I'd say it's all just none of these were meant to be <laughs> cyborg sequels. Now part of the
1: plot of this one is that Cash is pregnant and that's not supposed to be able to be possible. The humans, although Richard Lynch is playing a cyborg, he, he's playing a cyborg hunter. He, he mm. kills cyborgs and strips them for their parts. And again, we're talking full androids here. So he is not a, an android. He just has like a cybernetic eye and hand. Because Cash is pregnant, they need to get her baby because this is not supposed to be able to happen because they're afraid it is going to well, why, affect uh, humanity.
0: It, is it established in the second one that she can't have kids? She, she's basically. A walking bomb, yeah, is
2: really the whole point of of that the whole glass shadow thing.
0: Well, she was it's made so to with be a her, sex like, droid with too. Her cyborg, yeah. uh, the, the type of cyborg that she is, she doesn't have those like organic parts, like a working uterus and, and things like that. Well, they basically have like a working vagina essentially,
2: because they they send them in as like. Uh, like pleasure bots, uh, pleasure as hookers basically. Yeah, and they and they, you know, whoever they're supposed to be targeting, whatever political person or whatever, they go in, they seduce them because they are quote unquote the perfect woman, and they have sex with them. And while they're having sex with them, their temperature rises, which it, which causes them to explode and kill whoever their uh, you know, whoever their target is.
0: That's one way to blow your load.
1: They also, she finds. A bunch of cyborg slash androids that are in various states of disrepair that are hiding out in an underground city plotting revenge to take back the main cities and i'm going this is blade runner 2049's plot blade runner 2049 takes a lot from cyborg f- three the recycler (laughs) and that is not
0: something that i can just sit on i was shocked deeply unsettling how many hollywood productions take from these smaller movies yeah yeah because
2: they know they can't like what are they gonna do what are you gonna do do? sue
0: warner brothers (laughs) yeah I honestly feel like I was one of the only people that noticed that. I know that Tarantino wanted to make his own sort of Django rip-off exploitation movie. Like, it's not really a Django remake. It's another fake Django movie. Problem I had with it is that it was Kiyoma. It was very clearly heavily inspired by Kiyoma. It was a a guy who, in in Kiyoma, he's like a, a half- first nations person but it's it's a lot of that same sort of slavery stuff you know left for dead tortured comes back at the end to get get revengeance on everybody you you, you heard it from me and you know what it's true because i said it Django unchained is just a remake of kyona Kioma with a black slave instead of a half first nations uh tortured slave
1: I was shocked when I was watching this, because I haven't seen Cyborg 3 since 1995. When I rewatched it, I couldn't believe how much Blade Runner 2049 I was seeing in this. And I'm going, there is no way those people should be able to get away with just, we're going to take your plot and we're going to do it on a $100 million budget so you don't have a choice. There's also Richard Lynch has a sort of conflicted henchman played by Andrew Bernarski. Oh,
0: that's who that was. You didn't recognize him as Jocko? I thought it was, uh, when I was watching it last night, I thought it was the guy who played uh, a Bobo in the Double Dragon movie. William Cat
1: was fine as Decaf, one of the malfunctioning cyborg androids who was kind of funny. Zach Galligan, and I like Zach Galligan in the right role. Is brutally miscast as Mm. Evans, as, as the, the, the cyborg genius who, the, the the human who knows how to repair all of them. He looks not only bored, totally out of his element in this movie. Zach Galligan (laughs) is completely miscast in this film. Is that, is that the guy from Scrubs? No, that's the guy from Gremlins. Gremlin. Oh, f**k. Yeah, I didn't even recognize him. Something or other. Zach Wiener guy. But yeah, I I think he is miscast in this. And then this would be the, quote, end of the franchise, not counting the new... Okay, we only have a trailer for Cyborg Nemesis, and I don't... Cyborg Nemesis? It's literally just shot in the desert with people who are not actors. You look at their line deliveries in the trailer, they're not actors. On consumer-grade equipment that Albert is shooting, and he Um, keeps changing the title. Like, now it's called Cyborg Rise of the Flesh Eaters. It, hey, what it was originally... Fuck?
0: What is it? What is it, an alternate title for Hell of the Living Dead? <laughs> hey,
1: I'm not joking. The original title was Badass Angels and Demons. That's the original oh, title? That was the original title. That I wish I were title. kidding.
0: That's a nice title. Cyborg and, Nemesis. The, I'm, I'm looking it up now on uh, YouTube. It's... Uh, good Lord, they have been working on this for... It's from five years ago. Is this going to be out Uh, yet?
1: No, it's not out yet. And like I said, it it looks like a Doug Walker shot video. It looks like they're using consumer-grade equipment, lots of green screen, lots of bad
0: CGI. I mean, like, straight out-of-the-box After Effects CGI. Yeah, we got Cyborg Rise of the Slingers. It was that in 2012. Yeah, it's now Rise of the Flesh Eaters. Oh, God, this looks horrible. Cyborg Nemesis, The Dark Rift.
1: See, okay, that is... Okay, Cecil, we got to go back to Slinger. He originally wanted a different ending for Cyborg, and he wasn't able to shoot it back in 89. Now, again, I agree with canon. This ending is f***ing awful. So for Slinger, he shot brand new on a green screen using After Effects, his original ending.
0: Oh, no. Which is a Terminator ending. I'm still meaning to see uh, the Slinger cut. I mean, you can spoil it if you want. I don't really care. I've kind of read what it is, but I haven't watched it.
1: It's... It, it looks like, it looks like something out of that cyborg nemesis trailer you're watching, where a woman, a naked girl, just appears inside a giant electronic bubble, stands up, and she's got like cyborg parts, you can see she's got holes blown in her, and she's from the nemesis future, come back to try and change the past. They, he literally wanted a terminator ending. Oh, come on. And Cecil, you've seen the slinger cut. Holy crap, does that footage not match at all, does it? Thing is, none of the footage matches. Cause it's such a, I <laughs> no, mean. No, I'm talking something. about, you can tell what was shot in 89 and what was shot in 09.
0: Well, well, it's all put together from like, um, yeah. work, work prints and old, this VHS copy and this footage from here that was shot and obviously new green screen stuff. So it, it does sound like a mess.
2: Yeah, it's it's like it's VHS footage, it's beta footage, it's old uh worn 35mm print footage. So it's such a mishmash. Like sometimes it looks okay, other times it's got the uh it's got the line code, uh so it just looks god awful. Other times it's obviously just work print footage. So it's really it it is difficult to watch. I think the ending if we had if they had shot the ending and they had put that in there it wouldn't be as bad
1: well no, I, I agree with that it's still bad but it's shockingly oh you know like if george lucas had no money sort of going back and redoing it and you're just going albert oh, let right. it go man well, let it no, go i don't
2: i don't fault him for doing that though it's like look here is what i wanted i obviously can't go back in time you know really and get uh, jean-claude van damme and everybody to kind of do this and i can't afford to do it so i'm I'm just gonna do, you know, short of just uh, having like what they did with 28 days later, where they just showed the storyboard parts for what the original uh final act of the film was, said, okay, I'm going to go in and do this in uh, After Effects and kind of do some half-hearted CGI and just kind of oh, show boy. what the ending would have been. And I don't, really don't think it's as bad. I think it, it looks awful now, obviously, but if the ending had been shot and he was able to include that in there, I don't think it would have been as terrible. I think it would have been like, okay, you know, whatever, that's fine. You know, but well, it yeah, just looks so bad.
0: Yeah, there's always a difference if if you can... actually actually do it in like an efficient way and not just super cheap with a with a green screen. Like that's gonna stand out very, very blatantly when you're using like beta tape footage and VHS footage and old like sixteen millimeter like unrefined prints, like, that's all gonna really stick out like a sore thumb. Like, it's not a good but idea to do But at the same
1: time, okay, let's just look at the, let's leave the quality aside. That's a terrible ending. All yeah. of a sudden, to throw Terminator-style time travel into this, and yes, I know we didn't have the franchise that would come after it, that was just, as just such a derivative dumb ending. It kind of is, yeah. It is what the,
0: it is, I guess.
2: It is what it, in the context of what the original film would have been, who's to say that it may all have just kind of worked. Because That's then true. that would have led into what the sequel that he was planning on doing. I mean, is it any different from now how many movies just end where they're like okay well we're gonna lead into the sequel like if anything he was kind of ahead of his time on that because mm. so many movies now are focusing on well we want to get the first movie out there but we're really going to do everything big in the sequel and <laughs> it's like well how about you make a good movie first yeah and then you worry about the sequel later
0: so in yeah, this show case us, show us what you can do go go total balls out With what you can do with that first movie. Yeah. The money that he
2: had and the control that he had. I think that the fact that we ended up with two watchable versions of the same thing is pretty impressive.
1: See, I look at the first Cyborg as a very competently made film based on the fact that it's made from sets and costumes of other films, and, and this you can kind of tell. it was The script was written over one weekend. You can it sort of like see a, that in this. It had a very
0: Roger Corman spirit to it. It didn't feel like a canon film. Let's put it that way. I just mean in terms of like utilizing like um, sets and costumes that were going to be from for something else and turning it into your own production with a with script that was written quickly but then shot very slick and very competently. Like it felt like a good Corman movie.
2: It doesn't feel like a canon film, and I it feels bigger. It does, and the thing is, which is funny, is it costs a lot less than a lot of canon films. It
1: it costs, like, the catering budget of most canon films.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so, and and I don't say that in a negative way. I love canon. I love so many other films, but they do have a specific feel to them, and this does not feel
0: like a canon film. Yeah, some are just very, like, lowbrow, and let's just put it, shitty uh whereas this one felt like it it like a big theatrical blockbuster you know it helped to to have uh van dam in the movie too who was pretty much just like he was coming off um pretty hot boxer he was coming sport, off a kickboxer believe, at the time. so he was getting he was like fairly white hot at that time i would say he was getting big he was getting big if they got him a couple years later they couldn't have afforded him
1: which also is why i think norris just wouldn't have worked norris was His box office kept dropping at this time. Van Damme's was going up. Again, I I don't normally side with the studio, but I side with Canon in the fact of the cut, of the star, of the re-edit, except for the score... The cutting off the ending. I, I gotta go with canon on this one most of the, for most of it. And I yeah, usually I think don't. I made the
0: right, the right decisions for this one for sure. It's especially deciding to go with Van Damme instead because, you know, you got the rising star, you have got some people that recognize him from Bloodsport and Kickboxer. You got people who are looking at him going, oh, who's this guy? He seems cool. It was just all the right decisions, I would say. And I, I honestly, I mean, I haven't heard the heavy metal slinger score, but I love the score in Cyborg. It, okay, I love that it, kind it, It's of not like, so
1: much. It's not so much heavy metal as it is like more dark, metal sort
0: of, opera, if that makes sense. It's like a sense. brooding sort of, um, at least in the the recut version of it for canon, the The score is very like a kind of dark, brooding, almost horror synth kind of sound, which I thought was yeah. really great, especially in that opening prologue with the guy, uh, the main baddie dude being like, like, I love the dead. I love this world and that the music's like really creepy and there's that like busted up bridge with like all the broken city uh, cityscape in the background. Like that's such a solid opening.
1: I Okay, Cyborg, like I said, it's not my favorite in the franchise. I do enjoy it. I still got to go Glass Shadow, even though it's, you know, technically not supposed to be part of the franchise. I agree. Glass Shadows a really well... Okay, you look at Glass Shadow, it looks a lot more expensive than it was. And, and you mm. can usually tell, especially in a cyberpunk movie, how much money they had by production design. Glass Shadow has the best production design, whereas Recycler looks like they were just using sh- they found lying around <laughs> well psych- recycler i think they had a, like dollar 50 and they just were
2: using whatever parts they had on set so really i think that's kind of the the joke of the title was recycling they were just recycling oh, whatever they had lying around because it's the, how it lo- <laughs> and, you know they shot in a junkyard and i mean they did that in two as well but it had uh, an aesthetic to it Whereas, yeah, they except in two the nicer. lighting the lighting
0: yeah, the felt like cyberpunk yeah Big Whereas time, yeah. in
1: three, they look like they're shooting with
0: daylight, you know? Yeah, it's just natural daylight. That's all it is. It's mostly that movie takes place mostly during the day, and that's three when you has really no know.
1: mood to it. Two that's when you has really know, mood.
0: Uh, the budget of a film, if it takes place mostly during the day, and then especially if you get some like day for night shit, which I don't think three had, but that's just an example I'm making. Then you really know how low the budget is when they couldn't even afford to like shoot at night. What do you guys
1: think of the Cyborg franchise, in quotes, let's leave out the Nemesis movies, leave out Nights, leave out Omega Doom, just the three main Cyborg movies. What do you think of this as a franchise of three films?
0: I think we you got two really solid films that don't necessarily really connect officially. They clearly aren't meant to. Glass Shadows was obviously meant to be Glass Shadows, not, not Cyborg 2. It's still a fantastic film. Great showing from Jack Palance. Great showing from Angelina Jolie and Billy Drago. Really amazing aesthetic. Cyborg 1. Really just cool post-apocalyptic science fiction style film. Um very much reminiscent of Road Warrior a little bit of Fist of the North Star it's it's just a, a perfect sort of van Damme vehicle and it's a canon film that's uh, a little classier than your average canon film which is surprising considering it's it's one of their last ones it was sort of their their final uh flash flailing uh hit to, to try to stay afloat and unfortunately they, they got knocked the f- out. 3 is okay. It's watchable. It's Richard Lynch is fun. Is, it's fun. Uh, Richard Lynch, as always, is always great as a villain. Uh, it's worth watching just to, if you're like a complete like a completionist, I would say. I actually wanted to mention, I don't know if you guys have seen the trailers for it. It's it's right now it's a Kickstarter-backed thing. When you guys were talking about Pune's cyborg nemesis, at first I thought this was the movie you guys were talking about. It's a movie that's being put together called Cyborg Deadly Machine. It's very much in the, and I would actually like to promote it because I like promoting these sort of um, independent projects and it looks really groovy. It actually has a, uh, this might pique your dude's interest a bit. It's very Turbo Kid-esque. It has that kind of feeling to it. You know, Terminator-looking robots and cyborgs, and and it's even got some stuff that looks like it's from uh, hardware, very neon-lit, miniatures. But actually, it it looks pretty rad. I I would uh, very much urge anybody who's listening, and and the two of you, to go uh, YouTube Cyborg Deadly Machine. It looks a hell of a lot better than the actual official Cyborg 4 that we're getting. And also the lead, the main character in the film, and it's probably not meant to be the real alex rain but the main guy in the film is called alex rain
2: i like the first one both cyborg and slinger i think that they both positives that they bring to the table uh each one is oddly enough it's different in its own way even though it's using a lot of the same material and then two i just think even though it's not it was not originally supposed to be a cyborg movie it kind of was usurped and sucked into the cyborg franchise i think it is a legitimately good movie probably my favorite of the three uh just because angelina jolie is terrific Uh, and she's naked in it too she is naked in it and she looks phenomenal um elias kateas is awesome as always uh jack palance is really delivering a fantastic performance billy drago is just completely over the top it's got so much good going on with it the story mm. is cool the aesthetics is cool production design and everything is really really they're punching above their weight class with this one terrific uh little movie that does not get
0: nearly enough love and oh then, for sure uh cyborg cop 2 is absolutely little mac knocking out mike tyson w- we're not talking about cyborg cop did i say cyborg cop you did you say said cyborg, cyborg, you cop. Said cyborg i cop. did just review the first two cyborg cop films and following up Cyborg Cop Three. Check out the Cinematicist on YouTube. You oh, go. because that was a total—that was a total mistake, huh? Hell yeah! You just—you gave me that one. I, I okay. lined that up right for you. I not only bit the hand that feeds me, I bit it off.
2: And then Cyborg Three is just plain goofy. It's fun if you are looking for a dumb film that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, considering because it is the first legitimate sequel, really, of the series. Because 2 is not a sequel to 1. I don't, you know, they... They, but but this is a legitimate sequel because it's the same character. They tried and they made um a very very goofy fun movie to watch. And
1: yet that's by, the one Blade Runner st- steals from.
2: And then but then that's the <laughs> one, well that's the thing. Who's gonna believe we ripped off Cyborg three?
0: Yeah right. Yeah sure we did. But I I agree that one is good as far as just like if you just want to watch like a desert wasteland Mad Max post apocalyptic style thing. Which some cyborgs it very much feels like you know like like a warriors of the wasteland or a battle truck or something like that it's just fun it's it's fun like wasteland action with motorcycles and shoulder pads
1: it also it also has the greatest american hero as a glitchy cyborg that basically has cyborg tourettes and that is kind of fun (laughs) if you're like me and you have to watch all things post-apocalyptic
2: and cyberpunk regardless Mm. then you know there's another one that you may have missed It could be worse.
1: I I think this is a franchise that's not a franchise that Albert Pune definitely wants to make into a larger franchise, and I don't think it works. The three cyborg movies are fine on their own, although I enjoy Glass Shadow the most. These aren't really a franchise, no matter how much Albert tries. They're not a franchise. It's better uh,
2: than Mr. and Mrs. Smith. (laughs) <laughs> Anything's better than Mister and Missus Smith,
1: and I've seen the unaired television pilot for that, so I okay. got it even worse. Oh! On that note, where can people find the android now,
0: Peter? I'm an android. I thought I was a cyborg. No, you're an android now. You, you've, I'm the, you've been changed. I'm android now. The the former cyborg cop used to be robot uh you can find me on the twitter at uh, cinematica facebook the cinemasticist youtube the cinemasticist obviously 1201 beyond.com other fine programming other shows other than this one merchandising patreon at cinematica i have just put up a terms of contents I have a part one of two of the Cyborg Cop trilogy. Go check that out. Watch it if you feel so inclined. Subscribe if you haven't. Please donate to my Patreon if you can. Only a, bu- a buck a month is all I ask if you can do it. If you can't, if you can't, that's fine. And where can we find Cecil, the recycler? <laughs> you
2: can find me recycling content over at goodbadflix.com as well as Good Bad
1: Flicks on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and 12 beyondcom Don't you mean awfully good movies over on Joe Blow, which is in no way a rip-off of your show?
0: Fucking Christ.
2: That and they're doing you know what the hell happened to this movie which is basically my exploring series i'm not oh. saying that no one else has done what i've done but it just seems incredibly suspicious that there's
0: a very specific way that you do your show exactly and they're so
2: doing they're doing the notice same the thing.
0: similarities from something that's coming out now it's like yeah you're fucking a aping cecil bud which is really
2: sad because i like joe blow but um yeah it's it's a for for a bigger site to do an inferior version of something that one guy is doing well at least i have uh at least i have the warmth of knowing that uh one guy little old me
1: is better than
2: a whole team of people so
1: and one guy would be me, which who you can find at 1201beyond.com. You can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Guys, try to be a cut above. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night.